about 118 in Podcastville. A guest from one of my favorite pet places will be along shortly. As I admit, I took it for granted, but I waited far too long to extend um, a podcast invite to Steve Kaisling, who has become uh, a really good friend over the last 18 months. Um, I got to know Steve because I was looking for a third dog, and then um, a little blind dog wound up at his place. That was Faith. Perhaps you'll remember that story. Um, We'll have Steve here in just a couple of minutes before we get to that. Um, I will leave the entire story for Alex because it happened to her. She called me up this morning and she said she was propositioned by an older man. And I was, I, I was immediately concerned that she was not okay. Then she told me the story. And I'll sum it up like this. Alex, you were in a slightly questionable neighborhood in your car. You're in a very attractive woman and you were putting makeup on. I too might have thought that you were a woman of the night. Um, a big deal with, uh, one big deal to me, and I'm stunned that this isn't a bigger story. I realize there's a lot going on. And a big deal to Alex. I'd like to think I broke the news to her that, um, and maybe by the time you hear this or by the time I'm done recording, um, up to $10,000 of student loans will be taken off your plate. Um, and as I have tried to keep up with... Uh, with the economic factors, good and bad, that we've dealt with since COVID and this issue specifically, which was always a deal, just not as loudly discussed as rightly so over the last couple of years. People have said, this is an injustice. I'm not treated fairly. This is inequality. I mean, the last two years, we have had a landslide of appropriate questioning of authority and institutions and how we're treated. Um, I have long said, even before the world broke a couple of years, you've heard me say dozens of times, you ever want to be rich and you're okay dismissing some of your morals and ethics, uh, don't open any kind of sweatshop, open a hospital or a university. So um, $10,000 in student debt relief. I, I, I don't have I'll paint this in broad strokes because I can't read you the papers. I cannot regurgitate as clearly as I'd like what I have read over the years. But in the immediate term, um, if if this happens, and it seems likely it will, I am deeply concerned and I hope that I am wrong. If all of these people who all of a sudden have $10,000 and there was someone on Twitter and there's a lot of people on Twitter and they weren't being a dick, they just made the point they don't have this money to spend. They're not going to, they don't immediately have this. They're going to go put it out there. And I I was thinking as I was discussing with Alex last night, no, but when you know that you have a bill taken off your plate, you're probably going to splurge a little bit. We've all done this. When we know a bill goes away, some costs come down, we spend that elsewhere. Um, And of all these people and whatever the billions is that is taken from these people and college loans can be very predatory. Um, I did have the thought yesterday, maybe we should get rid of medical debt before college debt because in many cases, people don't have a choice um, when it comes to medical debt. It's, we can either put you back together or you can die. And if we put you back together, you're going to owe us $88,000 or $188,000. 
Both of those institutions, like healthcare, problematic. The cost of higher education, problematic. Um, in fact, I there has been a lot of discussion. I don't want to get too granular and in the weeds with this. There's been a lot of discussion between different age groups, different generations saying, you, I don't want your, your college debt to go away because what about me? I paid mine. There's one thing that I would like the current generation, the Alex's of, of the world to think about. I would like, if, if I had my druthers and I don't have a perfect answer for all this, but I think the best answer that many of us can agree upon is something I've already alluded to. Alex, how about this? Instead of you getting that 10 grand back in your pocket or not having to pay it, how about if we just fix the goddamn college structure and the cost of higher education? I think that's fair. Um, but I could see why people Alex's age who have had this financial anvil hanging over their head, um, they want this gone. They've been teased for a long time. It has crippled their lives in many ways. But my big fear is if all these people ha- know that they don't have to pay these costs. And I'm telling you, these costs are wrong. I know they signed on the dotted line for these things, but they had no idea that what they were paying for was not going to get them where they expected and hoped to be based off that degree or education. The goalpost move. And that's why I support the outrage people have for the cost of college. My concern is if all this money goes back out into the economy, and maybe this is just me being terribly frightened and anxious and paranoid, but I'm concerned that if all that money, people know that they no longer have to pay that, they will put it back into the economy. And the inflation that we have dealt with so far will look like pennies to the $20 bills that will now need to come out of our pockets because of all this money being fueled back into the economy. Um, and again, we've all been through this for the last two years. When when there is little supply and the demand rises, uh, the, the cost of thing goes up. The cost of things go up. I am, I'm literally petrified. Um, at, I could have read this to you, but the, the upshot of this one paper I keep going back to was... Um, It was a terrible idea to give people all that free money during COVID, but the alternative would have been even more catastrophic, like potentially third world country types of things in cities. You think think some things are bad now with hopelessness and violence? Imagine if these people had been in that vice even sooner because they weren't given these, these bridges of money. So, but, but more money going into the economy, I am, I am petrified. The other thing is across all the, the data that I've come across and the stories that I've read said, this will further the gap of inequality from the people, um, at the top, but more so in the middle, the Alex's of the world than at the bottom. Um, there are socioeconomic factors mixed into this. There is ethnicity as there always is. There are ethnicity and race issues. And again, these are the things I can't properly spit back out to you. So I encourage yourself to read. And um, a, a visual version of it would be is, yeah, Alex gets some relief, but she will pull away from people at the bottom. One of those reasons, and that, that's good. I want to see her and the other Alex of the, of the world to succeed, but not at the expense of, of other people falling further behind. One instance, as you know, when the cost of things go up, yeah, it sucks for us. Like it was a bitch to pay $5 for gas, but it didn't break us. 
Imagine the people who are broken because of that. And imagine if all that money gets tossed back into the economy, the economy and costs go up. And those people have to take a second punch. And it wouldn't be just a hard jab this time. It is an uppercut that might knock them out. Okay. That's a big deal for Alex and many people. The big deal to me is a story I came across last night. Um, it's only on like two websites, The Hill and Vice. Congress implies UFOs have non-human origins. What? Things have leaked out and there has been a shift in recent years where Congress and more government people have have been open-minded to. These are not like weather balloons. Um, this is probably not a, a China thing. Not just some anomaly. Not some drunk idiot. Like something's up. Let me read you some of this. In short, members of a key national security focus committee believe that objects of unknown origin are demonstrating remarkably advanced technology by moving seamlessly between space, air, and water. A report accompanying the legislation notes that the transmedium threats to the United States national security are expanding exponentially. This is as close as we've ever been to something I have said that if it happens, I can die happy. I want to see first contact. I want us to meet aliens. And then as I've read over the years, do you know how dangerous that could be? What do you mean? What if they're peaceful? Just like Columbus and his people were peaceful? It's continuing. It it strains credulity to believe that lawmakers would include such extraordinary language in public legislation without compelling evidence. Perhaps members have seen the classified sensor data that prompted former President Trump's director of national intelligence to state the UFOs exhibit that UFOs exhibit technologies we don't have and we are not capable of defending against, among several other eyebrow raising comments. Most strikingly, Congress's new definition of UFO excludes man-made objects. Um I don't know why this is not a bigger story. I know there are terribly scary things going on. I have always been a believer that we are not alone in the universe. And there's lots of great things. There's the uh, Fermi paradox. I always confuse this. I don't ever get this right. But it's like, it's. I'll try to sum it up like this. If, if we're not alone, where is everybody? And there's a lot of great uh, counters to that, like the gal- the universe is huge. Maybe we're too far away. Maybe they can't get to us. Maybe we can't understand each other. Just a really great rabbit hole to go down. Um, as Top Gun trained aviators remain convinced that they observed objects not of this world, um, Director of National Intelligence Avril Haines, America's top spy, has not ruled out extraterrestrial origins for the UFO. Um, Obama had kind of joked about it several years ago. Um, let's do a UFO involved in a now famous 2004 Tic Tac incident uh, appeared on radar at the precise location of a rendezvous of a rendezvous point known only to a small group of aviators and radar operators. Ten years later, two fighter jets nearly collided with a UFO hovering at ex- at the exact location and altitude of an entrance point to military training. Um, Bill Maher has theorized that the UFOs are intentionally revealing themselves to fighter pilots. Uh, the geometrically reconstructed flight path of a well-known 2015 encounter off the coast of 
uh, off the, the U.S. East Coast indicates the object reacted as a Navy fighter jet attempted to sneak up behind it. Importantly, the object's movement did not suggest hostility as much as desire to be observed by the air crew, which ultimately flew right up to the thing. My first thought was, well, thank God they didn't kill us. My second thought was, maybe they're just gathering intel. This is a huge deal. I am not like some UFO wonk. I am not like uh, the doctor in Independence Day played by uh, Brett Spiner or anything like that. But these are absolute revelations because for the majority of my adult life and probably yours, anytime UFOs were brought up, people looked at people as mostly crazy. People of authority and from the government would just hand wave it away and just Area 51. <laughs> and now we're we're getting people to bend to the belief of those were not balloons or weather balloons or random anomalies. Um, not a random anomaly, but finally an appointment uh, with Steve Kiesling, uh, director of the Toledo Animal Rescue. has become a good friend over the years. First 20 minutes or so, pretty straight ahead direct stuff. And then how Steve took a very circuitous path for a woman to land here in Toledo from growing up back where I was from. Well, across the river, Delaware River in South Jersey. Thanks for taking the time, although you probably want to say you should have had me here sooner, right? I've only asked a half a dozen times or more. Seven was the magic number. There you go. Um, It's good to have you in. Good to chat. Uh, There was something in the paper the other day that I was unaware of, uh, at least on a a cat scale. I knew that our shelters, because from spring on, uh, there's been stories accurate ones about how everybody's shelter um all the places you work with do or don't like are overwhelming but the story in the blade the other day that there are a lot of cats out there we have a stray cat issue yeah i haven't been in the cat and dog world for too long um just i guess two and a half years now Uh, and just in the short time i've been working in the rescue world it seems to be that we're bailing out an ocean with a thimble trying to manage the feral cat population um as you said we and every other shelter in the area and across the country are full um i'm part of a couple different groups and there's one called shelter animal count that i submit my data each month and in hundreds if not thousands of organizations across the country do and then they give us reports um and it's showing the same thing you know there's more animals coming into rescues than there are going out um the good thing is the live outcomes, um, otherwise known as not euthanizing animals, mm-hmm. is is up. So the industry is doing a much better job of keeping animals that are adoptable, that aren't sick or injured or um, unrehabable or aren't aggressive and so on and so forth, keeping them until they can be adopted. Uh, it used to be the thing that you would make room for other, new, you know, more adoptable animals and you wouldn't euthanize. Yeah. Um, I know the Lucas County dog warden now canine care and control had that big issue a long time ago when Skeldon was running it um that there was a big uproar that more animals were being euthanized than needed to be um and and that's true you know they were doing it to make room so even the even the you know kill shelters as they're called um quote unquote uh are doing a great job of not euthanizing animals just because Mm -hmm. um uh, we'll come back to the feral cats just from the story the other the other day but is everything that I'm going to guess, well, I won't guess that everyone has read. Um, What are the reasons why the shelters are full across the country? Um, 
there's just it seems to be that there's just more people in need of surrendering their animals. Um, the COVID was actually we thought COVID was going to be really good for adoptions, and then everybody was going to go back to work and back to their lives, and then get rid of their animals, and that didn't happen. Thank goodness. But really, the big problem is lack of spay and neuters. That is the big problem. Um, cats can have three and four litters a year. You know, we we started seeing kittens in November and haven't stopped. Typically, the kitten season is is <laughs> is March, April through you know summertime, uh, but we haven't seen that. We've seen that there's we've just gotten kittens all all year long. The spay and neuters were they backed up because people couldn't get to their vets? I think so. Um, looking at that article and reading what. Uh, those those folks at Humane Ohio said I think they did have some issues. Um, I know we ran into getting animals fixed back then, but that's two years ago now. Sure, and people you know say they're going to fix their animals and they don't, and then they get outside and they have kittens, um, and you know one group of kittens can have can multiply before you know it. Um, I know I was quoted and I think I was misquoted in the article. Um, I almost felt like it sounded like I was disparaging those who take care of feral colonies, mm-hmm. which I wasn't. Um, I I think those people who do, I, the part of, I remember reading was that I said they have big hearts. They do. Um, they're doing they're doing really great work. They are, uh, but it also does cause a problem. Animals will go to where the food is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just like wildlife. People say I have a I have a raccoon problem. Well, what do you, you have do? A trash well, problem. Yeah. Well, I have a trash problem or. I feed, I feed my cats outside. I feed the feral cats outside. So then all of a sudden I have wildlife coming. Right. So then they congregate. They're going to go where the, where the easy food is. Same thing with cats. Um, and you know, they're, they're like drunk college students getting them together. Bad things are going to happen. Right. Um, is it, how much of it is it, how much of that type of issue in shelters being overwhelmed, if that's the right word or not, I think is, so it, overwhelmed is, is, is it a dog issue as well? Cause we're talking about the story the other day and it, it, that was all cats. Are there a lot of dogs out there similarly? There there are, but not nearly in the numbers. I mean, I don't have the exact numbers. Sure. But if I just go off of unofficial qualitative and quantitative data that I get just from, from phone calls, mm-hmm. it's 7, 8, 10, 15 to 1 calls for, I, have a, I found a stray cat, someone dumped it off at my house, there's a litter of kittens under my garage, um, to... Hey, there's a stray dog in my neighborhood. Um, so I, it, the number is. I mean, just for us at, at, at the rescue, we adopt 275ish cats a year and 75 to 100 dogs. Um, so it's like, like almost three to one. It, what are some of the possible solutions for the the cat issue? Um, get your cats fixed. Okay. Um, I I mean anything. Other than that, is going to be more on the inhumane side, um, and I'm not, for the record, I'm not suggesting this at all. But when we have an overpopulation of a wild wildlife, the deer in we the call me- them in the de- in the metro parks, they call the herd because a smaller herd is a more healthy herd because they're not over eating in the areas they're not destroying the habitat they're not destroying you know they're not destroying the food that 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 they all rely on and with less animals there's more opportunity to thrive so don't don't feed feral cats don't 
that you, I, it's not a, it, there's not an easy issue right or not an easy answer um do don't feed them i can't tell somebody not to feed an sure. animal because a hungry looking cat right it hits all of our hearts um i honestly i think a good a good answer is having more resources available and i'm talking money to trap and release trap fix and release or they call it tnr um trap and release program for feral cats humane ohio does a great job but they are there's only one or two people there who are doing it and they're only able to do you know several hundred animals in-house um they have a lot of people that they work with in the community who will trap feral cats um and bring them in and get fixed at a really really reasonable cost and then send them back out so there are people doing the work but there's just not enough people and these people are usually doing it out of their own pocket with their own time um, with their own supplies and so there needs to be if we had another humane ohio doing twenty thousand span neuter surgeries we might make a dent in the population and humane ohio is low-cost span neutering for dogs and cats correct and we love our friend laura we love everyone over there they're amazing folks um so happy to have their new facility as well right all yeah. that stuff yeah it's um, great. so are there pockets uh, and we'll move off of cats here in a second but I, I had no idea this was such a thing because i don't see it in my neighborhood although i got a lot of bunnies bunnies are everywhere you know you, <laughs> I'm then, not worried about them, but then you bunnies don't, everywhere. Then you don't have a cat pop problem. Um, not only are outdoor and feral cats uh, a problem just be in sheer numbers, they decimate wildlife populations. Uh, voles, moles, groundhogs, not groundhogs, just they're a little big, chipmunks, squirrels, birds, they, they decimate populations. There's one cat that has existed since I moved into where I have... Uh, in November of 2018, I'm pretty sure it is a cockroach and could survive a nuclear apocalypse for all it's been through. Where, where are the pockets of these feral cat issues so that people might want to be on the lookout? Honestly, I don't know. That'd be okay. a that'd be a question for for those at Humane Ohio who are out there out there doing it. I have honestly no idea. Um, I know we have one by our rescue, and part of that is is kind of. I don't want to say it's our fault, but it's a result of us being in that neighborhood. People will dump their cats. Mm -hmm. Well, sometimes they just dump them with not in a carrier while well, they're gone. And so now you have a concentration of animals being abandoned who aren't fixed in my neighborhood. Um, so we've started trying to catch them and <laughs> and get them fixed. If they're, if they're feral, we'll get them fixed. Several we've caught. Um, that turned out to be amazing cats that were definitely dumped, and so we've adopted them out. So, and Humane Ohio does the same thing too. If they catch an animal that is a nice cat that isn't feral, they will try to adopt them out as well. Let's let's talk all about the Toledo Animal Rescue now and yeah, what man. you guys and what you guys do because I, I and until I met you and then even a little bit before you said you're still new with all of this. Right. Um, I think many people's go to places were here and. Uh, uh, nice job by Laura and Cassie, everybody that's over there that changed it from the dog warden when I first got here and right. transitioned the image over to now less people use that. But that place, LC4 and Toledo and uh, Toledo Humane Society. There's right. Toledo Animal Rescue. Tell me about you guys. Um, we have been around since 1927. We were the Toledo Animal Shelter Association. About five years ago, they did a rebranding and changed our name, our our name to Toledo Animal Rescue, which 
caused some confusion for a few years. Uh, people think, well, you're a rescue, you're going to come out and rescue animals. Unfortunately, we don't do that. We are a dog and cat adoption organization. So we bring in animals from the community, whether they are strays or owner surrenders, and then we adopt them out to families who want a new pet. Um, you guys are out in the community a bunch of different places. Um, what are some of the upcoming events? There was just something not that long ago, right? The summer thing at Toledo Spirits? Oh, we did that, yeah, Yappy Hour in May. Um, we did our second one. It was a pretty good success. We had to switch the date uh, at the last minute because of storms. Yeah. But we had probably twice as many people show up. And the cooler thing, twice as many dogs. Toledo Spirits has an amazing space outside that is very conducive to people hanging out and bringing dogs. Um, a really close friend of mine, Ashley Cohn, played music for us. Uh, they have an awesome space. We'll do that every mm -hmm. year in May. We've got a couple smaller ones coming up. I know we're doing something like a little Panera thing in Perrysburg on September 10th. We're working on a couple other type yappy hours. Uh, we're trying to work with something with Ernest, uh, 60cc brewing. Um, and then for those who aren't uh, boozers, because apparently all of our stuff seems to be focused on the, on the booze. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, we are going to do one um, with a couple coffee houses, uh, try to do some, you know, yoga, a lot of small things to get different populations of folks familiar with us who might not be familiar with us. Obviously, we're looking to raise some money because that's how we, we survive on, on donations. Um, but honestly, there's a lot of things in the pipeline. Um, one of our big fundraisers that we started last year is our online 50-50 raffle. So we do that three times a year. We have raised, I don't know, in the three that we did, I think we've raised for us five, five grand, four or five grand, which means three different winners have won a total of five grand or three or four grand, something like that. Uh, so that's a fun one. Um, people who don't have a lot of money can put 20 bucks in for raffle tickets and and it's basically mega millions. It is. It's kind of mega hundreds right now. <laughs> yes, and that's fine. Uh, but we would love to get it up to uh, significant money do to you, make it a thing. Do you think in your time there, there has been more recognition of Toledo Animal Rescue? I hope so. I'm asking you to pat yourself on the back. I hope so. Okay. Uh, when I got to the rescue, we didn't had gone. The organization had gone through kind of a downturn in reputation. Uh, there was some mismanagement. There were some other things going on, uh, and animals weren't being adopted out. It was, uh, kind of as, a, as an example, last year we adopted 367 animals out. That was more than were adopted in 2017, 18, and 19 combined. So we're doing, we're doing right things. Uh, we, one of the coolest things that people say, there's two things that, that we like when people say, when they come in and say, gosh, the place smells great. It's clean. Thank you. You know, we work hard to make it so you don't come in and it doesn't smell like a litter box. And also, people thank us for just answering the phone. Most places people are calling, you know, they're calling because they have a need. And when you get an answering machine and you leave a message and no one gets back to you, it's not because the people who, who you're leaving a message for don't care. It's just they're overwhelmed. And so we work really hard to answer calls and pick up the phone and, and give people information. Sometimes... The information is, sorry, we can't help you. A lot of the times these days it's like that, but we also can then provide them resources elsewhere. Um, sometimes it's just talking somebody off the, you know, the, the ledge of, I'm at my wit's end with my cat and I don't know what to do. So I'll be on the phone for 20 minutes for somebody explaining some of the things that we know work to keep the cat in the home. 
Um, sometimes we get calls for people who need food, who are just down, you know, down on their luck at the time. We always have extra food around from people who generously donate to us. There is a different, you talked about the, the, the smell. Um, I can't say that I've been at uh, Toledo Humane Society a lot. I know there are people from, from seeing them out places. Obviously, uh, one of my dogs came from, from LC4, and I would visit there all the time when I lived downtown. It's a different model for what they do, for what you do. The aesthetic is different. The feel is different. Um, polish up some of my opinions here and put it in your own words because I know you have friends in several spots, but it, there is there is more of a wholesome atmosphere with you guys. Yeah, I mean, so kind of, let's like let's look at the Humane Society. They're the big players in town. They are the, they are the best funded, best facilities. They have, they have 10 times the budget we do more than 10 times the staff and subsequently they adopt out 10 times the animals our community would be really in trouble if they weren't around Mm -hmm. they do great work then you got lc4 they are a government-funded entity that has to take the dogs that come to them they they have no choice and so they are doing their level best to help as many animals as they can in a facility that's frankly horrible that's why thankfully they're moving yeah but that's two years away right uh and so they're doing their best uh they are always short-staffed they have lack of volunteers the place is run down it's just not a good space for dogs but they know it it's not a it's not a secret they're doing what they can and when i last visited i was pretty amazed that the management probably could tell you the names of half the animals in there and give you a description of, of them. I can't do that with the cats we have. I have to be told, you know, which tabby is which. Um, so I was pretty amazed with that. So they care. They care a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're just have it. They're just in a bad spot. Sure. Um, but I guess back to on to us, I almost think we're boutique-y. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, that's kind of, that's kind of bougie to say. I, I don't know about the Humane Society because I, I haven't been over there uh, at all, but there is a difference I would say the the animals can get more; they're more socialized with you yeah. guys. Yeah. Um, and again, you've got the time. The boutique comes into that. Like something uh, I, I I notice at LC four, um, the dogs are in crates. Right. You guys have kind of like a doggy daycare kind of thing. They can run outside in the, the back area there. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's it's no secret a enriched, help, happy animal that feels safe and secure is going to be healthier and it's going to be adopted earlier. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a stressed out animal, they don't present themselves well to an adopter. And so when you have a dog that we know is great and we work with them and we work with our trainers and all of our staff um, are trained uh, in, in animal behavior we work with uh, Ready, Set, Train once a week and they come in, not only are they training the dogs, but they're training us. And so, all the positive reinforcement and the work we do with these dogs is so that they can go home. And because we're smaller, you know, our capacity is 10-ish dogs, 50-ish cats, give or take, uh, depending. Um, but we are able to work with all these animals. Um, now we're, we're ramping up our volunteer program so that we have extra people in so that they can get extra work done. Um, and it's not just the dogs. Cats need it too. They can't just be sitting in a cage 
24-7. They need to get out. They need toys. They need to play. You know, they love catnip. So let's get them high. Let's get them hooked up on catnip and have them have fun and interact with each other. You, you know, I'm not a, a cat person, but the cats at your place are phenomenal. Yeah. The, <laughs> They're I mean, a blast. Yeah. They, I mean, you know, I take- Except for Edna. Although I, I'm getting better with Edna. She is, she is amazing. She is- She's sassy. She is sassy. The thing is, you know, Edna is- for those who might listen to this, the three people who care about what I have to say. This is on the air on all the stations. Um, so no cursing. Right. Okay. Shoot. But Edna is our our rescue ambassador. She came in because she was really mean and attacked people. She was adopted and returned because she was an attack cat. But the thing about Edna is she's super social. She wants to be where everybody is. She loves being there, and she likes pets until she doesn't. And all of us, volunteers and staff alike, can attest we have the scars on our hands to, to show it. But she and I also have a routine. Uh, one of the first things I have to do in the morning is I have to sit back, let her sit on my chest, pet her, have her purr, hang out and do her thing, throw her treats, and then she's good. So she's an awesome cat. How about Catzilla? Was that his name? Cat Kong. Cat Kong, yes. Who was the twenty-five pounder? Who was he like thirty when I visited him? No, he he came in at twenty-five. Twenty-five. Has he? So he hasn't lost. He hasn't lost any weight. He's he a big fella. He didn't last with us very long. Really? Oh no, he was. We had a, a regular visitor who comes in, you know, every other weekend to just give us donations or what have you, and saw him, and she says, "I gotta have him," and so yeah, he lasted a couple weeks. He's great. He lost two pounds since he was with us. Good, good. Um, and he couldn't fit in a kennel, so he just ran around the place too. <laughs> um, he lived in my office, and him and uh, he, I guess, he and Edna got along fine. Uh, but he lived in my office because we didn't have a kennel big enough for him. Last thing uh, from a year and a half or so ago, when uh, Faith came your way, and uh, there there was a wonderful story, and I'm glad she is with who she is. Um, bring us back now like 18 months later did she change some things for you guys did visibility help do oh, people yeah. ever recognize you guys as the faith place because when no. i know you know i no. um i rarely get any of that but what it, what having little faith did for us was it just kind of changed our mentality as an organization we had this little puppy who was all messed up, blind, blind in one eye, couldn't see out of the other, as they say. And it just kind of gave the organization the confidence that, hey, we can take on these hard cases. We have, we do have the, the means to care for them. Um, and if we don't, we have the, the support from the community to raise the funds for it. So because of that, we started the Faith Fund, which we, so we, we put a shout out, a GoFundMe, I think it was a GoFundMe, for Faith to pay for her eye surgery. It was like three grand. We were looking for, we weren't looking for a huge amount of money. We raised like nine grand. So we put that extra money into a restricted fund so that any animals that come in who might need extensive medical care, we have some cash for it. So the Faith Fund was a good thing. And she's got a great home right now. And I think according to Mo at the original sub shop, after all this time, she finally stopped pooping in the house. Faith, not Mo. I don't know if Mo does or not. That's that's on her. Um, if she's making my wonderful curry chicken salad, is that your favorite thing there? Oh my god, that's the only thing I ever order. Okay. Um, I just hope she just washes her hands if she does poop in the house. 
Uh, but no, that's the only thing I order. Uh, she told me once, um, yeah, I, or, I bought a I bought a recipe and it came with a restaurant, and she bought the place because of the curry chicken salad. Um, so we're done the radio part of this. You can you can curse now if you would mm-hmm. like. Um, no, let's talk more of the Steve origin story because oh, we Lord, we, really? we somewhat get along or don't get along because we're from we're from the same part of the country. I don't. I, I would never say we don't get along at all. I think uh, I think it's I don't. So you're the Philly guy. I'm the Jersey guy. And so I know enough about Philly to have a conversation with you and appreciate some of the same foods and teams and things like that. You know, I made the mistake of saying North Philly to you and you're like Northeast Philly. And I'm like, Ooh, I don't know enough to know the difference. Um, what, how spin that around for me. If I said South Jersey or, yeah. or some spot, what, what would I get wrong? Cause I don't know South Jersey that well. Where did you grow up again? Medford. Which okay, people so don't know Medford, but they know Cherry Hill. That Medford is South Jersey. Yeah, it's definitely. I'm not a North Jersey guy. It's a totally different. Animal. What are the? Give me your definitions of the parts of of New of the state of New Jersey. Oh God! First of all, I haven't lived there since I was 18. It's still the same. It is still the same. <laughs> so you've got you got South Jersey, which I don't even know how far up it's considered. Maybe up to Atlantic City would still be considered South Jersey. But that's the shore. You got the shore. You got South Jersey. You got Central New Jersey. Um, Trenton. Trenton. And then, but I always consider that North Jersey. And then you okay. got North Jersey, which is up around the city. Okay. And if people are like, what's the city? And if you don't know what the city is, that's New York. There was somebody. That's the city. Philly's Philly. The city's the city. There was somebody that I met not long ago, and they were from like Northwest Jersey. And I had never met anybody from that part of the Isn't state that like before. like Princeton way? No, 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 no. Because Princeton's Central Jersey. Central, Prince, see, I don't know. Princeton's not that far from where I grew up. Okay. So my depictions would be, there's South Jersey where you grow up. Right. Um, which, is, which is just an extension of Philadelphia. It the, is, but it's also the Pine Barrens. I grew up, I grew up on the edge of the Pine Barrens. When I was, when I was a kid, my community my development i guess is would be called um it wasn't really a development but but medford and medford lakes and all that area has a ton of great lakes i grew up fishing i grew up hanging out in the woods uh at the end of my street which was about 100 feet from where i was it was a dirt road and it used to be an old boy scout camp it was my dad actually went there as a kid and it was hundreds of acres um since gone and now big cookie cutter homes and things like that. but you could drive from my house to the shore, to the actual coast, and just take dirt roads. Wow. What was this? 70s? Um, I, 70s, 80s. Okay. You know, was, so yeah, you're right. It's now all built up. You can right. find a Starbucks and a Target, you know, in every direction. Right. But I mean, but still the Pine Barrens are the Pine Barrens. You know? I don't know what those are. The, so pine, the Pine Barrens have scrub pines. So okay. the, the South Jersey, New Jersey, you know, we talk about the pizza and everything. It's always because of the water. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people don't know, like one of the biggest aquifers ever is below New Jersey and it filters through all the sand. So that's why we get really good blueberries. Um, but the scrub pines are are basically just like mutated pines that aren't, they don't grow any above like 15, 20 feet. Miles and miles and miles of it. Blueberry bogs, cranberry bogs, um, all that stuff in the pine barrens. It's awesome. But you also got the pineys, which, you know, are our version of, you know, the hillbilly they're not there anymore oh i'm sure there's plenty yeah. of pineys back up in there there was a when i was uh 19 and i had started working in radio and i realized that there were other zip codes outside of mine mm-hmm. um and i was traveling with the radio station 
there I remember going with a guy and he's like, This is this isn't South Jersey, this is New Jersey. You're in Jersey now. And it was like in between it was South Jersey, but I'm sure it was in between like South Jersey and the shore, but south. Yeah. And there was just like a lot of it was very industrial and a lot of nothingness. A lot of nothingness, a lot of uh a lot of you know, weird country I don't want to call them country roads, but Pine Barrens, piney roads that it's from like a, my house to the to the to the shore, I don't have to take a highway ever. What's the uh, growing if, up? If I leave Le- Levis Commons and go right, what Dixie Highway? Yeah, it was very Perrysburg Township uh, Township ish on that road, like down the BG. Yeah, but with a but but with a lot of uh, like oak trees. Um, how did you wind up here? So. Graduate high school, knew full well that I did not want to live in New Jersey anymore. Um, and I went to college in Virginia. Um, after college, I knew I didn't want to live there anymore. I uh, spent my summers on, and, and on the beach in Avalon as a lifeguard, and I was your stereotypical towhead lifeguard chooch. What's a towhead? A blonde. I was blonde. Got it. Like bleach blonde, blonde. So Baywatch Steve. Kind of. Yeah. Total chooch. What kind of town was Avalon? Was, was Avalon like a rich town? Avalon oh, was God, a rich yeah. town, right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I shared a shack with like five dudes um, back then. Uh, so I went to Virginia, was moving out to Colorado to go ski. I was a ski, grew up being a skier and I was going to be a ski bum. Uh, got a, had a job in a grocery store from a friend of a friend. And then a buddy of mine called and said, hey, I'm, I got a place in Jackson Hole. Move here. So I did. I changed my route, moved there. Had no idea about Toledo. Um, I remember driving on the turnpike at like three in the morning going to Wyoming and saw the signs for Toledo. I'm like, hey, Toledo, Clinger, MASH, cool. Rolled right through. Never. And funny thing is I was driving a Jeep. Uh, Never knew anything about it. Moved to Wyoming. Met my, I met a woman named Krista who was uh, just worked in Yellowstone and we were both working in the same result resort. And that led me to hook up with her, you know, as my girlfriend, we lived in Jackson. Then we moved to Key West after that for about a year, uh, did a brief stint in New Jersey. I thought I was going to go to culinary school, um, but I didn't thank goodness and moved up to Northern New Hampshire and getting to the point where I got where I came to here, she left me in New Hampshire and came back to Toledo, where she's from. Okay, born and raised in Perrysburg. I chased her down about three months later. I've been here since January second, nineteen ninety six. Been married for twenty four years. I was going to ask you when the light went on, when you had that awakening uh, that would get you to stop traveling, and it was Krista. She was the light. Yeah, she came back here. She never went to school. Um, she will never let me live it down. I, I, you know, I was a University of Virginia graduate and I was all, I thought I, I thought I was all that. And I ended up saying, oh, I, you know, some people just aren't college material. What an asshole thing to say. I hope I can say No, you're good. Okay, good. Um, well, she has her master's degree and has been working in higher education for 20 years. And I have to carry a dictionary around with me when I talk to her. You know, she talks about pedagogy and stuff like that. Um, so she came back to go to school. Uh, or more like liquor wounds and then decided to go get her education. Uh, and so I chased her down. We lived in the old West end for a while. 
Uh, lived in Toledo and have been in Perrysburg for 15 or 16 years. When did you live in the old West End? 96, 97. What was it like back then? Um, it was rough, um, but super cool. I lived on Robinwood in the Robinwood, which was the apartment, and which is it was about three houses away from that little park on Robinwood. The Arboretum? No, yeah, the Arboretum. Yeah, which used to be a hospital, which Krista was actually born in. Um, it was cool. You know, I had great neighbors. I lived down the street from a judge, but I also had gangbangers living across the street. Uh, and so not totally different from now? No, no. Just I mean, an eclectic we, mix of people. We moved in when uh, a woman had been murdered. Uh, a gentleman who I ended up actually knowing afterwards uh, got carjacked, and as he was running away, got shot. Um, a little less extreme now. Right, and then after we moved out, the the uh, uh, John killed uh, escort a few houses down or vice versa or something like that. So yeah, um, it's been you know as like anything else been gentrified a bit. Uh, what is your take from your arrival here to where we are now, the city and and where it's come? Toledo. I don't spend too much time in Toledo. I like a lot of the things that are happening in Toledo. You can just do the whole the, the area in general. Um, Perfectsburg, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of of where it's gone, and I like you know you talked about Levis Commons in that way. I call that down there Bowlingsburg. How come? Look how look at the sprawl. It's not Perrysburg. It's Perrysburg. When we moved to Perrysburg, we wanted to, first of all we we're moving because we wanted our kids to go to Perrysburg schools, same elementary school that that Krista went to. So we were looking in the in the numbers in the trees, which is down which is. Perrysburg proper, I guess, you know, everything from the river in there, you know, people are like, oh, you live on like Maples. Just outside of the library area? Yeah, all that. All that is, you know, the numbers in the trees. So you got Elm, Locust, Maple, Hickory, Cherry, all those, all those streets, and then the numbers. And so that's what we were looking for. Um, and walking distance to school, biking distance to the library, the river's right at the end of my street. Um, unfortunately, I just found a, a, a gentleman. Yeah. Right at the end of my street. Um, and so it was great. Um, uh, Three Meadows is the people who have been around for a long time, still the new development. And, and now you've got Perrysburg just is going and going and going and like, let's build and let's build and let's build. Like, do we really need two Waffle Houses in Perrysburg? Probably not. You know, do we need all what we have? Probably not. And so it's it's gotten worse. I love my house. I love my home. I've got a half acre in town. All my critters, I got chickens, I have gardens, I have like my little oasis. And if I didn't have that, I think we would move because the older I get, the more taxes that Perrysburg puts on us. Um, it's pricing normal human beings out and it's pricing the elderly out. Yeah. And you're you're paying for taxes that you don't use for your kids to no, go I didn't, to school. My kids went to elementary school yeah. and then in sixth grade went to Toledo School for the Arts. Yeah. So I didn't even use them. Um, so I spent a lot of time downtown, so I've been going, I guess I have spent going to and from Adam Street, seeing all the stuff that's gone up um, around Is Gherky going to name a building after you or a room? I don't give near enough money. Um, <laughs> Do you have a good Gherky story? What's your best Gherky story? Uh, that one I can't share. <laughs> um, no, I've known Dave and Jill for, well, they just celebrated their 24th wedding anniversary, and we knew them for a couple years before that. Um, so we were at their wedding and they are at ours, so 25, 26 years. Um, but yeah, so Toledo, I like what Toledo's done downtown. Um, you know, I saw you at Pride 
And, you know, pride was, is so awesome. And the fact that our city is embraces stuff like that, which didn't before, you know, in the Cardi years, uh, we didn't do that. Uh, but pride was great. And even, you know, just walking from basically I had to park near the Erie street market cause I couldn't find parking and I'm not, I'm cheap. I'm not paying for parking. So after pride, when I was serving beers, uh, plug for Northwest Ohio community shares. Oh, you work with them too? Yeah, I'm part of them. So that's why I was serving beers. Um, Got it. Because we're one of the member organizations. You were drinking to me. I didn't know you were serving. <laughs> I think you were you were drinking, right? Um, I might have had a beer too. Okay. Yeah. That's why, because I, I messaged Michaela over the weekend. I was like, Steve said you were going to be there. She said, I was uh, I was doing bar back. I was like, oh, I thought you were coming to hang out. But no, we were serving beers I, as part of our volunteer uh, I, volunteer hours for community shares. I have, and that's so much fun. I, I've tried to do it every year. I have. I'm a big fan of what they do. Right. I'm glad uh, the woman that runs is it Pam. Pa- Pam. Mm-hmm. Um, Lexi introduced me to her uh, several years ago, yeah. and I I love the idea of of what they do. And I was glad to hear from Pam that they they managed through the last couple of very challenging years because it's a great organization. Yeah, it is. And Pam's done amazing job over the years. Um, we just. Toledo Animal Rescue just became a member, um, but I was a member at another organization before that, so I had done stuff with Community Shares for a long time. Want to give me the short version of what they do? It's a it's it does workplace giving program uh, for for smaller, less known nonprofits. So it was kind of born out of um, a response to United Way pushing out the smaller organizations from workplace giving. Uh, United Way used to used to list basically organizations and, and every organization had a number. And so you would, back when you're filling out paperwork, you would, you could put, you could designate your money towards whatever organization you wanted. They started making it harder and harder and harder and harder to do that. And then just United Way money went to United Way objectives, whether it's an organization or whatever their, their goals were for United Way. So community shares was kind of born out of that. Uh, and it's not, it's a national thing. It's not just Ohio. Um, so that's where community, so we do workplace giving. Um, it used to be, you would go in and give presentations to the organizations. Now it's all, you know, online and digital and, and all that. So it's a great, it's a great thing. What are your favorite restaurants? Favorite restaurants? Yeah. Th- this is the controversial part. Shoot. I don't know, man. I cook. What do you, what, what are your favorite recipes? What do you like to cook? Everything. Um, what don't you like to cook? Uh, I don't like Mexican food. Okay. My uh, wife's Mexican. You might have to leave this town. No, because because I'll go to uh, San Marcos downtown. And I have gone to San Marcos since it was just a, literally the, the grocery store with a counter. Um, and I'll get lingua tacos, which if you don't know what those are. I do not. Lingua's tongue. Okay. Ew. So it's just the meat. You can get beef or whatever. And Please. And onions and cilantro, and lime, and I can tuck into those. But generally speaking, like, Mexican spices don't do well with me. I'm a gringo. I don't do hot. I'll do, I'll do like, wasabi hot. Okay. Um, I Honestly, I don't know. I don't have, like, a go-to restaurant because I cook. I got home last night um, after I was I played disc golf, and we can have a whole freaking story on my obsession with disc golf Your disc golf career uh are you the mike trout of disc golf <laughs> no no just the I'm opposite like the Kent, i'm like the kent Tacovi of disc golf no, wow there's a reference that huh? <laughs> i had to I'll throw that this back for my dad um with the glasses and everything yeah <laughs> uh and 
So I came home and she's she's on the phone and she looks at me and she says, I want steak. I'm like, I'm gone. I'm, I went down to Kazmaier's, our little awesome little grocery store in town. Shout out to Michael Kazmaier. And got some steak and I came home and I'm like, okay, here's what we're making. And I made like an Asian beef and green beans from the garden, you know, and I elevated by having a side of tater tots because you got to have tater tots. And so, yeah, man, I can throw some stuff together. It doesn't elevate. It was like your frozen bag of tater tots. Have you ever tried to make tater tots? No. Don't. It's not worth it. No. Not even remotely worth it. Um, So, yeah, I I cook. I grew up cooking. My, My mom was the family style lasagna, pasta, like, you know, robust home stuff. And my dad was the the Chilean sea bass encrusted with panko and, you know, burnt leeks and stuff like that. So I got all of that. So I love to cook. So why I don't go out a lot because why, you know, I don't make a ton of money. Why would I go out and spend a hundred bucks for the two of us to have a nice meal when I can spend a hundred bucks on three days, four days, five days worth of groceries and cook better. Mm -hmm. Um, But with that said, I don't have a favorite. I really don't have a favorite restaurant. I really don't. I know, like, if I'm craving something, I know my Chinese restaurant is Baidu in town. I know, um, you know, I don't even know, like, pizza. Like, where I would go for decent pizza. Become a fan of Mama Mary's. Good. Um, but I don't, yeah, I don't, honestly, I don't have a favorite restaurant. I don't have a place that I always go to and they, I, I'm like Norm coming in. Favorite brewery or beer? I don't, you know, I don't know a lot of the the local breweries. Um, I do love Ernest. Um, I'm a huge Crunchy Hippie fan. The, the, that, because I got Crunchy Hippie, don't they make a Crunchy, a crunchy Hippie peanut too? Peanut butter, they'll do that. That might be one of their, their frickins. Okay. Um, but, what you know, kind of going, circling way back about what, a, seeing Toledo. So I was walking from Pride back to my car and it was, you know, about 11 o'clock and there's that new hot dog joint called Coops mm-hmm. and across the street's Ernest. So I ordered a couple dogs, grabbed a beer because it's a door area, grabbed my beer, sat outside. Basically, town was almost shut down at 11 o'clock on a Friday night, which is weird. It was very quiet downtown with because Pride was the only thing happening. Right. Um, but I just sat there and kind of just took in, hey, this is really cool that I'm sitting here having a couple dogs, which meh, I'm not. Could have gotten alcohol there too. Yeah, but I wanted to earn it, which is right across the street. And I grabbed a crunchy hippie and, and and sat there. So it was it was quiet. The lights were out. I took a couple pictures of some of some of the things in town that struck me. Um, the murals in in Toledo are amazing. Um, you know, hand uh, handmade Toledo on Adams Street um, is is a great addition. There's so many cool things that you just have to look. Um, it used to not be when I got here. It wasn't a walking city. There wasn't anything. Now with the, the, you know, I was, I've been around since the old, uh, the old, um, well, Toledo, we used to be Toledo Storm. So what is it? What was the The sports arena? The sports arena. You know, I've seen, heck, I've seen hockey before they had nets up. Yeah. Uh, Now it's a Metro Park. You had had the old sports arena, you know, um, Skeldon Stadium, uh, where you, in Maumee, that's where you saw the, saw them play. Um. And now I think the, the really the thing that started it all was the Mud Hen Stadium. Oh, for and then sure. And that changed, that changed the game. Owens Corning coming in downtown changed the game. It made, it made it that, okay, corporate headquarters is coming in here. This is sustainable. 
it's they're not going anywhere. So now you have, you know, Fortune 500 coming in. So it allows all these other things. With uh, Balance doing their their, you know, growing, hydroponic gardening, amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Balance. I would say if I had a if I had a favorite food place, I would say Balance might be one of them. And there's not one near you, right? Oh yeah, there's one. The the Par- there's one in Perrysburg. The Perry uh, the Mommy one closed. Yeah, that was the original one. Yes. Um, no, the Perrysburg one is there. Um, so Balance is one of my favorite places. I love their food, and I love the fact that they're local, sustainable, all those cool things, and the owners are like. The coolest hippie cats you'd ever. PK wanted. and CJ have a great uh, origin story for how they got that thing started. Yeah, and my daughter worked there, and she said they were great employers, mm-hmm. which is even better. So, like, kudos to them. Hit balance, get some tacos. Um, you're done. That's it. Did you enjoy yourself? It's too short. Too. How long do you want to go? I don't know. I, I mean, I can literally talk for hours. Heart of glass. I did over an hour. It's fifty minutes. Really? Yeah. Well, then you, you just get me talking. No. Um, I appreciate it. You know, you and I talk often, text every once in a while. You save that dog. If I, it, it's so funny, and it's a small town, and I stay here because the people are good. They have welcomed me. I have finally have a home. But the serendipitous nature of things, how the beginning of last year, whatever it was, I was looking for another dog. Um, and Laura pointed me in your direction. Right. Then the faith thing happens. Yep. And then like within a couple of months, this dog, I'm outside walking my dogs. I see this black pit bull mix walking up and I'm like, one of two things is going to happen. I'm going to get a kiss or mauled. And that thing was an angel. And had I not known you, I that dog would not be likely in the great home that it is. So it's just, and I'm, I'm thankful for my relationships. Me too. Um, I've been here long enough. I've been doing the nonprofit thing for 20 some odd years from everything working from juvenile felons to animals and everything in between. And you and I know so many of the same people. Good people. Whether They're all good people. Um, and I like to think, I would love to think that some of them would say the same thing about us. Gerke wouldn't. Not about me. Yeah, but he, actually, but, I was just, I he, was just texting would, him this morning. He would mean But it. like, I haven't seen Lexi in forever and I saw our pride and it was... You know, the, the hug was genuine. Mom life. Um, uh, Nick Comives has been a good friend for a long, long time. Politician. Now he's very politician. But I haven't seen him in a long time. And, you know, I'm like, call call mom. Would you call her? Just call her. Come over, have dinner. I'm like, give me a couple of days. I'll put on a brisket, you know? And he's like, really? And like, and her, no, his friend was with him. He's like, really? And Nick looked at him. He's like, oh, no, no, no. We'll have a brisket. I'll take some of your brisket. Dude, you'll come over. We'll have it over. But like I've met wonderful musicians. My wife's a potter. So we've got the art world that we've circled in. Uh, A really close friend, considered family, Robert Vandevelt, who does all the Black Lives portraits that have been hanging around Toledo. I get a text from Robert every now and then. Um, I mean, there's so many people that you and I both know. And I know one time you mentioned that like, relationships is your currency or something Mm -hmm. along those lines. Um, And I know a lot of people and I'm, as I've gotten older, I've hopefully done a good job of staying connected with them. And at the very least not pissing them off because if I might need something from them, you know, I'm hoping I can reach out because I know they could reach out to me and, and you know, that's the way it is. So Toledo is a small town. If you've lived here as long as you have, and now I have, and at least me 
kind of having the supercharged conduit of, of what I do, right. where people coming in studios and whatnot. Um, if you've been here this long and you don't have good relationships or don't know a lot of people, you're the asshole. Because like yeah. you said, it's it's a small town. And um, to work myself up to go to Jeep Fest because that can be overwhelming. Yeah, I can't I, do it. I, I got to remind, because it's work thing for me. Right. I got to remind myself that people want to see me and say hi because I don't live downtown anymore. Right. Now, that mind trick didn't work last week during Pride, which is why I split early, but it was great to see Lexi and her wife well, and, and everything and, else. Well, and and Bethany's a good friend of yours. A little bit, yes. You know, was she, I mean, I know her through TSA. Yep. Um, and she's, she's, crazy amazing there's so many amazing people that we know that are either doing really good work or are are just super duper talented um you know i don't like ask me to name a banker friend i don't know any bankers i know some really great lawyers um as friends but like i don't know an engineer or two i might be able to but that i can't call you know up for a favor hey can you spec me out something but I can call somebody up and say, "Hey Ashley, you know, I'm having a I'm having an event. Will you play music? Hey Robert, you know, help me with a fundraiser. Paint me a picture. Um, and everything in between, you know. So we know a lot of really cool people who do great work in Toledo. Um, and uh, yeah, I like it. I mean, I I much rather come to. And granted, it's on my way to work. Sure, but I much rather come. And and I would go visit Cassie down at LC Four if she was open and I was hunting around downtown. Um, but I'd much rather go do those visits than some of the invites that I get to for like networking things because it is the same people, and that's fine. But I like seeing some of my other people more so. Yeah. Did I ever tell you how I met Laura or how we connected? No. Um. So in 2014, I adopted a second dog. Besides Diddy, um, that dog was sick. The whole I, that that dog was dying the entire thirty days that I had her, and I knew that um, that LC four didn't. They, they just that's the uh, that's the fine print. Like they don't know. They only do like a cursory health evaluation. They do. Um, they're actually do. They do more than that now too. This. Um, yeah, they do. They do a lot more than that because we do transfers with them, and we just got uh, descriptions of potential animals to transfer and actually Michaela is going out I think she's I might get back there and we're already gonna have a new dog um but they do a pretty extensive workup now so they they've they've changed a lot good uh yeah this was like a, a cur- cursory health exam um but I was still like devastated and I basically said to whoever was say, eight years ago um I said you kind of like you kind of sold me a, a dying dog, and I didn't say it like that. But they and they were so thoughtful, and it wasn't Laura at the time. Um, they were so thoughtful and understanding of my heartache because I really like this dog. Yeah. Um, and then I connected with Laura because we got to talking. My story resonated with her, and she knew I was always looking for a second dog. And two years later, um, for like the sixth time, she says, "I got one for you." I pre- this is the one, like Laura. I've heard this so much, and I would go over every time because that's just me. And then Laura's sitting. Um, I when I walk in the front door, that swing door to get behind the desk, mm-hmm. she's sitting there, um, and then I sit down next to her. And this little fifteen pound dog sits in my lap, and I look at Laura and go, "Oh shit, I'm gonna have a little dog." And now that little dog keeps me from getting another one because he's so goddamn jealous. That's my Laura story. That. Yeah. No, like I said, it's it's just it's all all the relationships are meant for a reason. 
And if there's dogs that, that, that are the DNA that binds them, so well be it. And cats. Your cats. Edna. My cats. I have five at home. Maybe six. We have a foster that... I'm hoping it's not six, but... Okay. All right, now we're done. Cool. I appreciate it. Thanks, man.